Welcome to the American Cinematographer Podcast. Go behind the scenes with today's top filmmakers as they discuss the techniques they bring to the art of motion imaging. My name is Ian Stasikevich, and I'm a contributing writer for American Cinematographer magazine. In this episode, cinematographer Hurt Hilte and director Jos Stelling share with us the details of their latest in a long line of collaborations, The Girl and Death. Set in a sanitarium in Leipzig, Germany, in both the late 19th century and post-World War II time periods, The Girl and Death is a poetic and expressionistic film that tells the story of an aging doctor named Nikolai as he recalls meeting the great love of his life, the courtesan Elise, and the romantic tragedy that followed. I spoke with Hurt and Jos via Skype from their home country of the Netherlands. Now, before we get into talking about The Girl and Death, let's have the two of them introduce themselves. Okay. Um, my name is Jos Stelling, and I'm the director of the film The Girl and Death. My name is Hurt Schilte, and I'm the cinematographer of uh, The Girl and Death. So the two of you have been working together for almost 30 years since The Pointsman in 1986. And it makes me wonder, who instigates your collaborations? Do you share projects of interest with each other? I, you have to know that I'm also the producer of my own films. This, uh, the initiative is always, uh, it's always for my side. And, uh, but when we are starting a project in the very early stage, uh, who it is already evolved. Regarding The Girl and Death, what is it about this story that appealed to you as a director? A couple of things. Some journalists were always asking me what is my favorite film, and I saw in when I was nine years old uh, a German film, and uh, it was a love story, and uh, it was, I was crying, and I was, I was seeing the film more than nine times, and I was thinking on the film the, whole, the rest of my life, until the moment that I saw the film ten years ago, and then I saw how terrible the movie was. It was a really awful German film about a singer, uh, but it was still a love story. And then I, it was de destroying my, my dream in a certain way. And then I was trying, I, I thought it was a good idea to bring the old dream alive in a new adaptation of the idea. That was one of the reasons to make the girl in that. But, uh, another thing is that what fascinates me in the Russians is the melancholic way of living, the way how they are thinking, and and you can read it and see it special in the old nineteen the, the end of the nineteenth century, all the literature of Dostoevsky, Chekhov, and so on. And that was also one of the fascinations of uh, starting points of this film. This melancholic feeling, the melancholy, the the Seinzug, The Germans are talking about Zehnsucht. There's a special kind of thing. The melancholic feeling is the starting point of the film. We want to make a film about that. Is the girl in death a remake of that film in a sense? No, no, no. It was the Du bist die Welt für mich. What was the title of that film? It was a really stupid film. But not when I, you, you know, that you see the best films of your life when you are nine, ten years old. And that was my, that was the mistake. It was a really horrible film. But in that time, it was an, an amazing experience. Hurt, from a cinematographic standpoint, how did you begin to develop this sense of melancholy that Jos mentioned? Um, well, we, when we developed uh, the idea, we, we started uh, looking for locations first and um, already one year before shooting we started uh, making tests uh, with the actors and uh, with, the, with the dresses and um, as much as possible with pieces of the uh, art direction to find the colors and uh, the atmosphere of the film we wanted to shoot for me because of this also a film which goes through several seasons it was of course uh, to find a nice winter tone, uh, like the colors of the winter, and um, and to find a, a good way to to handle the uh, the interior shots, 
that was the the the, the, the palette of our uh, how we started. Did you shoot digitally or on film? No, we shot it uh, digital on the um, Alexa, Ari Alexa, with uh, Ultra Primes and uh, and an Allura Zoom. Um, so we shot it two and a half, three years ago already, I think. And this was a little bit before the time that uh, you even could not shoot raw in, in Europe very easy. So this was just filmed on ProRes. But to me, um, it was satis very satisfying <clears throat> the result, I must say. ProRes 2K? Um, no, just... Uh, 920 to uh, HD, yes, right, HD, yeah. You shot with a 2.4.0 aspect ratio. Why was this framing important for the story? You mean the, the cinemascopic uh, uh, aspect, you mean, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, of course, yes. Hood was talking about looking for locations and so. You have to know that we are, in that time, also writing on the script. But during the, sh during the searching for location, everything was developing in the same time. Then we are thinking it would be nice to do it in scope, yeah. And for me, it was a very fantastic experience. It was the first time that I was shooting with the Alexa and the beautiful big screens. It was, for me, it was fantastic. It's much better to, to be involved with everything instead of uh, waiting for two days for the laboratory and all that kind of stupid things. And Maybe you can add to, the, the, um, to say something about scope format. Um, well, for me, it's, it's the most filmic aspect you can have. Uh, what I very much like is when you do the two shots, you could go really close and have, yeah, well, you have two people in the frame. Let's say, uh, it's just, yeah, it's always a beautiful uh, composition then, I must say. So the whole decoupage, you know that word, decoupage? Yeah, like the staging of the shots. Yeah, the whole decoupage was based on scope moving around and two shots and so the film is set at a sanitarium in leipzig in germany did you film in leipzig as well yeah it uh, it was a place it was close to gera and it was called tannenfeld also leipzig yeah. yeah very close to leipzig and it was an old it it wasn't it was a it, it, what was it? It was um, an old, an old uh, uh, sanatorium. Yeah. Yeah. It was what it was in the film, and uh, you have to know it was a, a German, Dutch, uh, Russian co-production. But that means that uh, that the actors are mostly coming from Russia. The the main crew was from uh, Holland, and the girl, of course. And then the, 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 the rest of the, the extras and the location and everything was from Germany. And uh, also the, the camera and everything. That's a way of doing that kind of things in Europe. We have to, but we are no, there was no money uh, transfers. There's only, uh, yeah, we are working together in the best way. And, um, what very nice was that in, when you are working as a Dutchman in in uh, Germany, there's a lot of more possibilities uh, for the equipment, the rain machines and everything. They they have a bigger a bigger experience with a bigger production in Germany as in Holland, of course. And then we are using the best things of the Germans and the best things of the of the Russians and, and so. Did the fact that it was an international co-production affect the story elements in any way? What with the characters being either French or Russian or German? Yeah, but French, the, the, in, in, in that time, in the, 19, the end of the 19th century, the, uh, even the Russians, even Pushkin, the Russian poem, was speaking French in a certain strange way. And the higher class in Germany was also speaking French. But there are no French people involved in this film, but they are speaking French. I don't know why, but... They did it, and I'm using this this language more for the the love scenes and the the, the Russian language more for the Mongolic uh, parts and the German language more for the pragmatic things in the in that hotel. I use the language also for the different kind of characters and the way what we what we're trying to tell.
What condition was the real-life sanitarium in when you started filming there? It was, uh, it was more or less in the middle of this. It means that it was empty. It was not so destroyed as what you are seeing in the film. It was more in the middle. We, uh, we are using the whole hotel as a sort of studio. All the lights were outside, and we uh, had a lot of lights from the Germans, and that was very helpful. And we are shooting it as if as the whole building was in a studio. We are making. We have to make it a little bit older and younger. Just the whole, the whole 19th century atmosphere. We have to rebuild that, of course. What time period did you film first? It was the. We finished with the, the end. We finished with the with the destroyed. It was much easier to make it first at the 19th century situation, and then we are finishing it in the destroyed version of the 1950s or so. Well, let's talk about the 20th century time period, since that's where the film begins. For me, it's always the light, almost certain way. The, the dust and, the, and, the, and the, all that kind of details, it starts with the light. And, the, and that's the strongest part of, of Hood. He is uh, amazing with the light. He is the, the light master. And for me, it was always waiting until the light was there, and then we start to think and... But the, the, the decor, the art direction was not such a problem. The light was the main thing. Yeah, so this is for, for instance, when he first enters the building, he falls through this hole, uh, through this window, and into the cellar. So this whole uh, walk of him uh, from downstairs and uh, uh, through this abandoned uh, hole, and then uh, going up to the first floor uh, over the stairs. Then we decided to have just uh, little uh, beams of light coming through the windows, which were all closed with wood. And uh, the idea was that that was really gloomy and uh, mysterious. In terms of the color, it feels very cold and desaturated. Is that a look that you were able to achieve on set? Yeah, I, I always like to come as close as possible on the set to the colors you want to see. In the end, uh, we did it uh, for the most of it, uh, we did it on the set. Of course, in the grading, we used some filmic curve, you know, like desaturating the real dark uh, parts of the gamma. Did you do any color grading on set? No, not on set. We didn't do any grading on set, no. No. Everything was in the middle, huh? yeah. Yeah, but but as close as possible to uh, what we would like to see in the end. Did you try to make things more contrasty through your lighting, like lowering your fill or making the shadows harder or things like that? For that, I, I have a very very nice cooperation with the art director and the production designer Gert Brinkers. Most of the time, I'm asking for gray or darkish colors on the walls. And what about the collaboration between you and your gaffer, Erwin Rodhant? Erwin, yes. He's one of the people of the six holy people in this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, he's, uh, I, I worked a lot with him, and he's, uh, he's a fantastic gaffer. Uh, one of the most experienced. Yeah, yeah. So he, he uh, initialized uh, to build uh, a very big scaffold in front of the building. Uh, a scaffold which was, uh, let's say, about eight or ten meters deep from the wall. It was really a big uh, plateau on the first floor uh, around the building. Yeah, which gave us the opportunity to put all our lights uh, also on, on the first floor, far away from the window and, and easy to handle. And when you say first floor, you mean the ground floor, and then the first floor is above that. Yeah, then there's the first floor, and that one was really uh, pretty high, let's say about six meters high. There's a lot of window light in this film. Yes, that's right, yeah. So we mo most of the time, because the rooms were very small, actually, maybe you do, you do not have that experience when you see the film, but in reality, the rooms were pretty small. So I used uh, as much as possible the light coming from outside through the windows. Most of the lights were 6K uh, HMIs. I noticed that depending on the mood of the scene, uh, the window light could be either very soft or very hard. Yeah, 
sometimes we when we wanted to uh, to make sunlight we well we use it directly of course through some vitrage uh, like uh, stuff here and um for grayish days let's say or for the winter scenes we bounced uh, our hmis against big butterflies which were also on the scaffold so for there were days and we really have had to change very quickly from because of the availability of the actors from summer to spring to winter to snow to, to you know we had we really 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 had to make um, quick uh, changes for that what season are we in when the film begins uh that's uh, win- winter winter like yeah winter and when the film flashes back the story seems to be set uh, in the autumn season like when you look out the window you can see the leaves are changing color yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, it's a moist, moisturous and uh, rainy. Yeah, and wet. Yeah, and we are shooting in October. It was almost for the reason that we can use the winter and the summer in the same period. When the elder Nikolai is standing outside Elise's old room and he starts uh, thinking back to his youth, uh, there seems to be an in-camera transition. Yeah, that's where we made a change uh, from um, uh, like a daytime to to night and rainy. Because that's that moment he remembers. He walks like a like a young like a young man in the park of the hotel. You know, that's the transition over there. So we made this transition on this close up uh, from a day scene to uh, a more or less moonlit, uh, rainy. Uh, on the log. Yeah. And that was done in camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it all in the camera. Yeah, with the shutters in front of the of the HMIs, <clears throat> you know, like the, like a Venetian blinds, sort yeah. of like that. Yeah. Nikolai's memories have this very painterly look. Uh, it's warm and saturated and very nostalgic. Yeah. Then the, the hotel is in its full uh, glory, let's say, in its richness. Yeah. Yes. Can you know something about yeah. that? No. It's it it's uh, the film is also made as a sort of a of the fast fast uh, digital films. It is also a sort of statement for the, the nostalgic kind of movies in in a certain way. That's what we are searching for. Do you mean nostalgic for old movies that look like that? Yeah, for for the classic the classic movies. But on the other hand, it's also a timeless film. It's about, of course, it's a romantic story in the 19th century. But on the other hand, it's also a timeless story. Just when it was playing now in a very fast, quick way, it's destroying a lot. Uh, we are choosing for the 19th century for the reason that was was also the, the romantic century, and with all the flowers and all the details and all the the way how they are behaved themselves to each other, and and we are, want to use the, the romantic feeling, the way how we are telling everything, the colors, everything, and not in a very conservative way, but but more as an yeah, that has something to do with what we are talking about, but just talking about the melancholic feeling. This is sort of like music. For these scenes uh, set in Nikolai's past. Did you use any special filtration in front of or behind the lens? Not as much uh, in front of the lens. Um, we had a very, very subtle black promise. Yeah, very, very, very subtle, just to get the edges of the digital feeling. Furthermore, uh, we had, of course, uh, made some tests uh, before on how to get the color of uh, a late sunlight or or an early sunlight or bright sunlight or whatever so this is coming most of the time from the lamps <clears throat> from, from yeah on the other hand the real white in the costumes was also strictly forbidden uh there was something uh, we are using the tea for making all the white. One of the scenes that really stands out for me uh, in the flashback is the one in the dining room where the other courtesan, Nina, offers to arrange a rendezvous uh, between Nikolai and Elise. Uh, what is your approach to lighting a scene like that where in the late 19th century, maybe a remote sanitarium might not have had access to 
uh, incandescent lamps and might have been more candle lit, let's say. Did you research any of that? We but were, there was a, a sort of electricity. Yeah, there was, that was uh, our choice to have not only candles, but, only, but also to have uh, some electric light already, because otherwise maybe you would be trapped too much in, in the romanticism. And so we were aware that that could be dangerous as well, you know, to, to get too romantic. <laughs> so, so that's why we also added uh, and these electric lights. And, 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 and yeah. And, um, and so it was simply a, a question of adding some space light on it uh, with the same color on a, on a dimmer, you know. So uh, I often use these, these Chinese balls, uh, which are very light and very easy to uh, hang uh, just to, uh, uh, very quickly above the actors where you wanted them. Did you have to install your own practicals or were you able to use the ones that were already existing in the location? Yeah, yeah, there, there, yeah, a lot of these things had to come in and uh, we even built a whole new stairs uh, because that wasn't on the right place. And all the furniture. And all the furniture, yeah, we had to bring it in and we, the whole, you know, the reception was built by our art director. It wasn't there. So that was really beautiful done. And um, he did the walls, uh, the color of the walls and the curtains and all that stuff. Because the way we we found it, it was, it was really, it was very wet and very, very uh, abandoned, actually. But, but, but it wasn't a ruin, let's say. There seems to be a link to Elise's illness and the timing of the seasons. Is this correct? Yes, that's true. That's true. It's very nice that you are seeing this. The, the, in my opinion, the circle of life is the circle of the year. It's the same as the day. Like the morning is like the spring. The, the afternoon is like the summer. And the evening is like the autumn. And the winter is like the night. And that's really, really one of the things in the film, yeah. Hurt and your cinematography and lighting uh, had to support this idea. Yeah, it's, yeah, it definitely does. Yes, right. Especially when she's uh, getting worse and worse, and everybody is leaving the hotel because uh, it's more or less the end of the of the hotel. Uh, it looks very uh, uh, desolate at the end, <clears throat> and uh, I try to express it, of course, in in this this. this this color of a uh, little bit of cyan, a little bit uh, desaturated, of course. Um, it's coldness at the end for her, of course. It's very hopeful, too. But after the winter, there's always a spring, you know? Then the story jumps forward three years, and there's this masquerade or a costume party at the sanitarium, and much has changed for the characters. They're older, um, a bit darker. And the lighting here is also very different uh, than it was elsewhere in the film. The dining room is very dark and lit completely in candlelight uh, with all of the sources uh, below the actor's eye lines. Yes, because this party is, is uh, like a carnival, you know, everybody is uh, having masks. And uh, so uh, we wanted this to, to have a look uh, only lit by candles, like... like uh, like ages before, but uh, the main reason was also have the light coming from underneath, you mean, uh, like in the other scenes you mentioned, the light comes from above, from the from the big lamps, uh, which are not in the frame maybe, but, but you feel them, and, and, and in these scenes uh, we thought it would be much more uh, exciting when the light comes from, from underneath, like in a theater, you know, when you have the footlights. I also want tell you about that scene is that you know you remember that there was another card scene in the beginning it was, uh, and for me it's the card play like the gun in the western it's a sort of metaphor of life the world is not in the hands of the working people but from the clever people and and it was also a part of the circle from the beginning it was a revenge and films are always based on revenge desire hate love and this was also the moment where he he makes the the big mistake of his life isn't it yeah he's leaving her behind out of uh, revenge or out of uh, anger 
Of course, but that's one of the, the big metaphors of of life that they are using. It, of course, a lot of times in films and so. I always want to make a, f a beautiful film about card play and so the space, the space in between. Overall, I noticed that the cinematography can either be highly expressive, uh, as in the case of the costume party, or it can be very realistic, like when Nikolai goes to Elise's room for the first time, or when he's uh, beaten by Bruno in the woods. What dictates a particular approach? Uh, when Nikolai's beaten up, this was this beautiful atmosphere in this, in this park, which was also really around uh, this hotel. I like very much this this very grayish, uh, little bit foggy atmosphere, which fits very well into the scene. I think I don't really know if the interiors are much more natural. It's it's supposed to be in the same kind of weather actually, so um, so this this has to do with continuity also a little bit. But also, can I say something? About this, you have to know that our camera is always in between something. There's always a point of view. We have never using the objective camera, the two actors uh, in on FAS, uh, Apple view. It's always a choice, a lot of over shoulders and a point of view. Every camera point of view is a very special choice. And that makes it, and that's very continuous in the whole film. This, the, the camera is always involved with the action. It's never uh, objective. Objective. From, from a side. No, no. From a side. There's always one camera point of view, and we're always searching for that. Mo yeah, most of the time you you identify with the one who's looking at at something, at somebody. About that scene in the park with Nikolai and Bruno, when you first see Nikolai, it's in a handheld shot following him as he's leaving the sanitarium. And it's a notable shot because there aren't any other handheld shots really in the film like that. Uh, and then Nikolai is attacked suddenly from behind. Yeah, but the first idea about his uh, handheld following him is, is not really uh, because somebody is following him. <laughs> this was really uh, also the idea uh, of uh, his confusion. So he was sent away by the girl. And even... When, when we are following him with the handheld camera, the, he is leaving the hotel. He is, that's the reason that we are staying behind him. It's from the hotel. That's the way how, how I am thinking. It's always a reason. Getting back to the cycle of the seasons, uh, towards the end of the film, when we're in Elise's room with the elder Nikolai, and we're experiencing these moments in the reflections of a mirror or through glass, he lays down in her bed uh, presumably to die, and suddenly the color starts to come back into the world. There's a subtle shift. That's what I was trying to say to you, that after the winter, there's always a, a, <laughs> there's always a spring. This was the, that's our hopeful idea of the film. And still there was someone who was putting their flowers. One of the ideas also was that there is the, you know the story of the La Dama Comelia from uh, Dumas? Uh, where La Traviata was based on. But there is a, a beautiful grave of uh, of a girl in Paris, and with the same kind of love story. And still now, when you are going to that uh, graveyard, uh, still every day, someone are, is putting, or someone, a couple of people are putting their fresh flowers. Still now, after 150 years. Yeah, may I come back uh, on this uh, moment that the old Nikolai is, is uh, seeing her um, in the uh, you know like uh, like a young girl in the hotel at the end. This was only shot through um, mirrors, and uh, so he never sees her uh, directly. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the idea of of. Oh uh, yeah, his, yeah. Uh, And when she, when the camera is moving away from the mirror, then you see that he is alone. Yeah. How did you accomplish that shot? Yeah, yeah, this was done like that, like... Now walking, that like, <laughs> was a very funny scene for that reason. Yeah. yeah, it was very complicated because he had to move very smooth, of course, while we were panning. Where did you do your color grading? Color grading was done by a company in, in Amsterdam, which is called Storm. And the colorist was uh, a Belgian guy, Bart Ferrast, who is really very good. And what kinds of adjustments were you making in the color grade? 
we gave it a little a film, like a film curve, yes, which gives the blacks a little bit of this desaturation and uh, add a little contrast because we shot it with this airy loch, you know, this sea loch. So it was mainly supporting the decisions you already made on set. Uh, no, it was more like tuning than than making this because maybe when you shoot raw, which we did not, then you can choose a lot of things afterwards, eh? like the color temperature and things uh, like that. But the way we shot it in HD and ProRes, then you really have to stick to your choice of the color temperature you you do. But most of it, it was already there. Did you up-res the picture to 2K for the finish? Yeah, I, I, we finally made it to 2K. Yes, that's right. Yep. What were your deliverables for distribution? Just uh, digital prints. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Or was it in Russia? Oh, yeah, in Russia. Oh, in Russia. Russia we had a real print? Yeah, that's for the, oh, for the archive. Oh, sorry, I didn't even know. Yeah, for the archive. Oh, for the archive. Hort, you clearly enjoyed the process of shooting the film digitally. And Jos, you mentioned that it made things a lot easier for you as a director. Are you finding that digital distribution is making it easier for people to see your films? You know, I have also two cinemas in my city and um, uh, it's almost, it's out of the question to make some prints now here in Europe. It's all digital, all the cinemas are digital, even in Eastern Europe, even in Russia. We still in our cinemas, we have some couple of uh, 35 millimeters projectors for for festivals or for something like that, but we are never used that anymore. And Hoort, how do you feel about that? Um, I was really uh, happy with uh, with the Alexa shooting this film because um, it would have been very difficult to get rushes in that place and a good way of seeing the rushes also. Uh, to me, it felt very direct and very fine. Uh, and the result was also uh, very satisfying. So I suppose it's going to be uh, all digital at the end. But it's still, when I see some some films shot on film, um, I'm, I find them very, very nice, I must say. That was cinematographer Hurt Hilti and director Jos Stelling talking about their work in the film The Girl and Death. Thanks for listening. This has been the American Cinematographer Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts, blogs, and exclusive ASC content by logging onto theasc.com. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Society of Cinematographers, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the art and craft of cinematography.